Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday. We have made it. TGIF. It's Friday, November 10th. What are you guys doing this weekend? I hope you have some fun plans. We all deserve a fun weekend after what seems like just like crazy ass weeks. I don't know about you guys. I love what I do. I'm so grateful for Daily Dose of Donna and coming here every single day. I just feel like, you know, the world is uh, falling apart around us. <laughs> That's honestly what I feel. But I'm so happy to be here with you guys because this is my one hour of just a, a escape. And that's what I'm doing for you guys. I'm giving you an escape. I hope you guys are uh, enjoying, you know, the content that I'm giving you this week. We had such a fun week. We had Teddy Mellencamp on, on Tuesday. And that episode, um, I hope gave you guys a nice different view of her. And then of course we had my friend Morgan from Morgan pop Morgan's pop talks on yesterday. And I just adore her. I love her so much. So I am very happy to have this nice solo episode with you guys. I do want to bring up one thing because I talked about it earlier on in the week. And so many of you guys sent me a message about my blue mean face pro plus. So I want to kind of explain this to you because the offer is still good here. This blue mean face face pro plus is like, it's, it's the bomb. I, and I don't use a lot of tools in my life. I use, you know, I love serums. I love oils. I love all that stuff, but I don't use a lot of actual face tools. Um, this guy is a game changer. So when you turn it on, you hear a little beep. I like the red light. There's three cent, there's three versions. And what you do, if you can hear the vibration, you push it up on your skin. You can go all over. You can go around the side of your neck. They say not to do it right around your thyroid, which I think is like right here. And so you go all around. You can go up. You can go on your forehead. So I like to do it while I'm watching TV um, because I'm a multitasker through and through. Anyway, this is a tool that you know helps to tone your jawline. It helps you in terms of like all the um, – you know, the skin benefits that you want. You want skin tightening. You want less wrinkles. You want your serum to penetrate more. Um, for me, I'm all about the jawline. And instead, you know, I'm trying not to have to get the lower facelift like all the housewives. So instead, I'm just using my blue mean. So I'm going to work on it all the time. Um, there's a deal, you guys. I have $70 off for the first 100 people. If you go to the link, it's bluemean.com slash daily dose. Donna. That's D-A-N-A. -A. So bluemean.com slash daily dose Donna. It sells out every time, every single time, because they only give $70 off for the first hundred people. And you'll get, if you don't find your results, if you don't like it or whatever, they'll give you your money back. Of course, you have to look at all the, you know, the fine print, but everyone that I know that has purchased this, if you guys have purchased it, let me know in the comments. Because so many of you guys, uh, so many dosers have purchased it and love it. So just fun. And sometimes I just like sit with it at my desk when I'm multitasking and watching housewives look really hot. Uh, speaking of hot housewives, I mentioned this earlier on in the episode, but um, I mean, earlier on in the week, do we realize like 
watching Housewives, when you're at a BravoCon type of experience, I don't think you guys get it. These women are, for the most part, all the Housewives, not just the Housewives, actually, all the Bravo lebs, like the Summer Housers, the Winter Housers, the Southern Charmers. They are all so freaking gorgeous. Can we... Uh, is it hair and makeup? Is it Ozem? I don't know what it is. It's the full housewife package. I almost want to be a housewife just so that I can see how I would look season three. You know how they all have a glow up? Like you see, I'm curious with the Roni girls, what they're going to look like next season when they come back. I mean, I think they're all gorgeous. I think they're all beautiful, but I'm wondering what they're going to look like next, you know, next season. Um, Speaking of Roni, and I will have to give you guys a heads up. I came on here one hour early to avoid this. And and you Reddit lovers are going to love this. My gardener came an hour early. I just hear him right now. So we're going to have a little bit of an interaction with uh, Vicente in just a moment. So, uh, but he's like a co-star of the show at this point. Vicente should really be getting 10% of my profits from Daily Dose of Donna because he's such an integral part. In fact, he should be the one of the moderators on the Facebook group. So you guys at BravoCon, well, after BravoCon, Crystal Minkoff went to, she did an interview. I don't know if it was like Access Hollywood, ET, ET, E! News, one of those. And she was asked who were the rudest housewives that you met? And she said, well, I would say it was some of the New York girls. Now the host said, uh-oh, was this OG or like OG housewives, like the legacy girls, basically? Or are we talking about the new season, the new generation? And what they said, what, what Crystal said was, is actually a couple from both. So let's do some digging, you guys. Let's try to figure out who you think Crystal is talking about in terms of who she is not a fan of who is not the nicest. Let's start with the legacy. Now, remember who is there from legacy? We have Luann, Sonia, Dorinda. And then of course, Ramona wasn't there. So it was Luann, Sonia, Dorinda, Kristen, and Kelly Ben Simone. Okay. Those five. Here's what I know about all of them. If you guys tell me that Sonia is a, you know, not a very nice person, I will cry. I need Sonia to be a good person in real life, but I wouldn't be so surprised if that was the case. So what have you heard? Dorinda, I get a vibe. I get a vibe. Dorinda has a tood. I don't know why. I just get a vibe. Luann to me feels like she would be just so happy to meet her fans. Am I insane to think that? Now, Cecile says Kristen doesn't like podcasters. So we all listened to Jeff Lewis live yesterday when Ryan Bailey was on the episode. And he said, I think that was yesterday. And he said, um, Ryan, who I was just texting with, by the way, because I'm doing everything I can to get my, um, to get Ryan on this show. Yes. Okay. So Ryan is uh, going to be on, on Daily Dose at some point in the next couple of weeks. So Ryan said that Kristen Takeman was the only one that wasn't so kind to him. Which I think is shocking because Kristen Takeman is one of those that, you know, should just be happy that she's back on the show. She was MIA, right? She lives here in LA. I think she lives in Calabasas, which is um, West in the Valley. It's like West Valley, beautiful area, lots of celebrities in that area. I have not heard that she's a B-I-T-C-H, but apparently... She's not very nice. We've heard. So, but I'm just shocked. I'm shocked that the Roni girls, the legacy girls would be mean to any of the BH girls. It just doesn't connect with me. Now, let's go to the new girls on Roni, right? Let's talk about the new season. So in that, who was at BravoCon? We have Aaron. We have Jessel. We have Sai. We have Uba. And we have Bryn, right? Am I missing anyone? No. Those five, because Jenna Lyons wasn't there. A lot of you guys think Aaron is not a nice person, but I can guarantee you this. Number one, Aaron is the only one that's ever DM'd me back. We've messaged so many times about Israel and being Jewish. I adore her. And um, I know a lot of you guys don't, but I can't help it. I don't know why. I really like her. I've always connected with her on that show. But she loves Crystal. So we know it's not her. Because Aaron was on Dumois. 
last week from BravoCon. I don't know if you guys heard this like random bonus episode that Dumois released. It was like a 20-minute episode. Erin was at BravoCon talking to Dumois about her experience. And she said the first night she had a dinner with a lot of the women at an Israeli restaurant or at a I can't remember what kind of restaurant, but it was in in Vegas. And she invited a lot of the Jewish housewives, which is where we got that picture with Jackie saying, um, Bravo Con, but make it Jewish. Of course, you know me. I'm I'm gonna support the hell out of that. But in the picture was Aaron, Jackie, um, Jen Fessler, Crystal Minkoff, and who else? I know Heather Dubrow. Was it Heather Dubrow? I can't remember. But anyways, so so Aaron said on that BravoCon episode of Dumois that she loves Crystal. So we know it's not Aaron. Okay. So now we're down to Cy, Jessel, Uba, and Bryn. For some reason, I have a feeling Bryn is really sweet. Do you guys have that feeling? I get a vibe, vibe that Bryn is like kind and fun and sweet. However, Jeff Lewis has said that because Aaron is a recurring guest on his show, but he's tried to get the other housewives. And he said that those, that cast of housewives, that New York cast has like the strongest egos that he has seen from any cast of any housewife season one. Meaning like a lot of them are saying, go through my publicist, like don't connect with me. They're not doing his show. And I understand like if you have a personal vendetta around, you know, off a certain person, you don't want to be on their show, but it does read a little bit like entitled and Mary Callow, a lot of you guys are saying that you heard bad things about Jessel. A couple of you guys have, and so did I, which breaks me because Jessel has the opportunity here to be a breakout star. And if you're going to be a breakout star in a housewife, you have to learn how to be nice to your fans. Don't you guys agree? If you're not nice to your fans especially this early, word travels fast. I don't understand how you could not be nice to your fans. I seriously don't, can't wrap my head around that thinking, especially at BravoCon. Like this is the event where you should be nice to everyone because this is your, they're coming for you. It's not like you're being interrupted at a dinner or at the airport or whatever with your kids on a street. Like this is literally... It's like being a football player at the Super Bowl and being shocked that people want to take a picture with you. It's so strange to me. And you should be so grateful for your fans. If you want any businesses coming out of Housewives, if you want any fame coming out of Housewives, it starts with fan support. So we can all be obsessed with Jessel, but if she if she's not a nice person in real life, like won't word travel? And then to think that you're not nice to Crystal, who's a fellow housewife, like you guys are on the same um, level. In fact, like she's above you. She's been on the show for more long, like for longer. So in terms of like Bravo, you know, Bravo levels. Now, another thing that came out from that, that I thought was interesting just about who people are in real life was Alexia was on Watch What Happens Live. I didn't watch it, but it was airing yesterday. And apparently um, one of the questions, the shade room or whatever, it was one of those things where they ask random questions to the housewives, like a light shines on them. And she said, you know, which Bravo which Real Housewives have you not, you know, had the best experience with? Something along those lines. And Alexia, of course, she's like, everyone's nice to me because I am such a nice person. But she said some of the Beverly Hills Housewives. Now, on that stage was Garcelle and Erica, I'm pretty sure. So she said, not Garcelle, not Erica. And then everyone's like, uh, so who else? And then she said, well, not Garcelle, not Erica, not Crystal, not Sutton. I think that's what she said. I can't remember if there was any. No, it must be that. And then Andy goes, oh, so we're basically assuming from process of elimination that you're talking about Kyle and Dorit. And she said they weren't. It's not towards me, but yes, they're walking. They have a, they're full of themselves. There was something along those lines. I'm not surprised. I do think, and I've heard this from multiple sources, that the Beverly Hills Housewives walked around a little bit like this was their domain. Although I feel like oh, like really who should be walking around was the New York legacy girls. But at the same time, no one should be better than anyone else in any of these situations. Like it's so ridiculous that they're, they're catty within each other. Oh my gosh. Speaking of catty within each other, <laughs> I guess I'll keep talking about cattiness. You know, I said it on my Facebook group, I am not going to dig low and talk about people that aren't on housewives anymore. It's like, I can't, or like on reality shows. I just can't. Jeff Lewis is fair game because he has Hollywood house lift. But if you're not on a reality show at this point or like in the news, you know, it's, it's not worth it for me. So, um, 
So Tamara and um, Teresa and Tamara have such beef. Have you guys heard about this? So months and months ago, Tamara had, let me try to remember what happened. Tamara had Caroline Manzo on two teas in a pod months ago. And they talked about this experience with Brandy Glanville. Somehow having Caroline on the show somehow triggered Teresa. I don't remember what specifically was said. I don't remember exactly what happened, but somehow it triggered Teresa, who then started going off on Tamara on her show. So Teresa and Tamara had this really strange beef. And I was, I like was listening to Tamara on something on her show a few months ago or weeks ago saying, you know, hopefully we squash this beef. Now, I have no idea if they squashed their beef or anything in person. Well, actually, we know they didn't because yesterday, and thank you, Doser, in the Facebook group saying that you, oh, Tamara said Teresa was, no, that was Vicky. Vicky said Teresa was the most overrated housewife. Something happened on that Caroline episode. You know, our brains are only equipped to remember too many housewives things from years past. So this week, um, Teresa releases a... Uh, Teresa releases a Namaste Bitches episode, which is her podcast. And she has her co-host, whose name I want to say is Melissa. I don't know her. And I don't listen to the show regularly, but one of you dosers in the Facebook group was like, you got to listen to this. It's unhinged. So I listened to the first 10 minutes. And basically, it's so funny because I feel like Teresa's co-host, and tell me if you listen to the show and this is how it normally is or it was just this episode, but I feel like Teresa's co-host is trying so hard to have a story and tell a story, and it always goes back to Teresa just repeating herself about the same thing. And I have no personal issue with Teresa or, or Melissa. Like, I'm not team either or. Um, I met the Gorgas over the weekend, and they were really sweet, but I'm sure if I met Teresa, she would have been sweet too. I haven't heard bad things. Maybe you guys have. But um, I guess, I guess Tamara had basically talked shit about Louie and Teresa was not having it. And she kept going back and forth about how Eddie is the worst house husband and Eddie Judge was alone all weekend, which I didn't personally see. I did see him at the bar at Four Seasons when I saw all of the other ones and he was standing at a table talking to the Gorgas for a while. He was talking to a bunch of them for a while. So I don't actually believe that that's the truth. But she said that he was all alone all weekend. This is what Teresa said about Tamara's husband. And she said that Tamara's Tamara's the sugar mama for Eddie. She basically pays his way. He has no other choice but to be with her because of that. She bought the gym so that he could work in it. She is older than him. Like it was pretty intense. I mean, a lot of people have negative things to say about Tamara and Teresa. I don't know personally. I've never had an exchange with Teresa even over DM, but I don't think I've ever tried to. I'm just like, I find Teresa to be such a, like a, I don't know, some sort of like illusion, like mystery to me. She seems so far away, like not only physically because she's in New Jersey, but I just feel like I wouldn't be able to connect with her on some sort of real way. But that's because I don't think when you talk to Teresa on the show, when you watch her in conversation, I don't think she's like, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. I'm okay to be wrong on any of this. But what my impression, and you know, I come from a casting background, so I like to read people. I kind of like to see who they are and like feel it out. But my impression with Tamara, I mean, with Teresa, is that she has some sort of a inability to communicate in a good, like, back and forth way. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not sure she's able to really listen. Maybe she can listen, but I don't know if she's really able to hear it. No, she can hear it, but she can't listen. What's the one that where like you actually digest the information? I feel like she just wants to get the next words out. And having, have you ever tried to? debate or argue with someone who doesn't want to actually stop talking and just wants to listen, but they just want to keep going and just like fight for their thoughts. That's what I feel about her. And so I don't know. I think I would probably, whereas Tamara um, is not also the best fighter. (laughs) She's definitely not. She cuts real deep, but I don't know. I just feel like she'd be easier to have a conversation with if you were angry with her. But maybe not. Maybe she would throw a napkin in your face too. We've seen it. 
So it's funny that inner housewives, you know, drama. Get Teddy, I mean, get Tamara and Teresa on a girl's trip. That's the, that's the, um, that's the next move. They really should put like feuding housewives together on a girl's trip, like specifically, right? So who would we cast on this feuding housewife girl's trip? We would cast Teresa and Tamara. We would cast, let's just say for shits and giggles, Crystal and Cy, if they had drama. We would cast Lisa and Kyle, Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle. We would uh, we would cast Lisa Barlow and Monica. Um. There's got to be more that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, Robin and Karen Huger. Like, it would be so fun. It would be the most, like, talk about either making your life feel so much better and happier because you're not, because you're not living that life or it would depress the shit out of you. But why do we watch Housewives? Let's be honest. And this is like a, a shout out to Bethany and the reality reckoning. Somehow watching these women fall apart and like fight like crazy and act like loons and fall into bushes and, you know, get whipped cream eaten off their chests, et cetera. Why do we watch this? We watch it, let's be honest, because it makes us feel better about our own life in some sick, weird, like masochistic way. I have no idea why we do it. It's like we want to see hell on wheels so that we feel better. <laughs> it entertains us. Or is it more of like the, um, you know, car crash? Like when you're being a spectator to like the drama and the tragedy and the viral moments. Is that what we want? I don't know. You guys tell me, why do you watch Housewives? All I know is that my husband, Lance, is a camera operator. He's a reality TV camera operator. He doesn't work on as many shows like that, the Housewife shows. He works on, he has done like some Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise and Love Island. So I guess he does get a little bit of it. He hasn't done Housewives, but he always tells me, I can't watch this shit. He goes, I don't know how you do it. Like I can't, he goes, it stresses me out. And I'm like, this stresses you out? Like what stresses me out is you know, the action things and like the fighting and the, you know, whatever. And he's like, but that's fake. This is real. This is insane that you enjoy watching this, this, you know, yep, 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 yep. But I actually enjoy it. Do I enjoy it? Or do I feel like it's like a part of my life now? I don't know. We'll have to go back and forth about this. I just know that in life, you have to cut out things that don't make you feel good and you have to bring more things in that do make you feel good, right? So for example, that's why I bring in my blooming. That's why I work out every morning at 5.30. That's why I drink my coffee. That's why I eat my Nutella. You know, you do things that make you feel good and hopefully for you guys, that's tuning in daily to Daily Dose of Donna. That's how I feel about it. All right, let's move on to last night's TV, which was so enjoyable for me. I really enjoy Thursday night TV. Thursday night for me, and we only have one more week left, and I don't know what we're going to do about this, is Golden Bachelor and Southern Charm. Did you watch either of them? Did you watch both of them like I did? So I was a week late on Southern Charm. Actually, I'll start there. I was a week late because Southern Charm had um, – we were, I went to BravoCon the next morning. So that Thursday night I went out and I didn't have a chance to, to watch it. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to recap it or anything. I forgot actually, you know, it's bad when you forget that there's an entire episode of a show on. Southern Charm is not, can't miss TV for me. I cover it and I talk about it and I watch it for you guys and for Craig Conover. But other than that, there's absolutely nothing about it that's making me like on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to see what happens. Do you guys feel the same way or is that just me? I'm not, I'm not feeling um, obsessed with the storyline in any way, but it is entertaining. It's a good like show to have on in the background while you're doing some other things. That's kind of how I feel about it. So, um, so I feel like I feel like where we left off on Southern Charm, which I didn't get to recap last week, was there was a little bit of drama between what we're going to call Brawgate, okay? And that's what the episode was called. So essentially, Olivia and Austin have this weird relationship where they are trying to, um, at this point, 
maybe maintain a friendship. Olivia's brother had just died and Austin had just been found out that he and Taylor, Olivia's best friend, have like kissed, which Olivia thinks more, of course. And they end up having a, um, you know, a little bit of a kind of trying to, you know, a friendship bond, I would say, over this. Both of them have lost siblings. Both, I'm sorry, both Austin and Olivia, Austin when he was younger. So they have this nice conversation. They're they're sitting there and they're, you know, drinking coffee, which I found interesting. This is last episode, so I'm not going to focus too much on it, but they're having coffee. She goes, I brought you coffee, but did anyone notice this? This is when they were in the park around a fountain. She's drinking a Starbucks and she brought him a coffee from another coffee shop. It's a black cup. What's up with that? Did anyone notice this? I found it incredibly strange. Did she go to two coffee shops for for Austin? Did she just take a production cup and give it to him? It was it was weird. Those are the things I notice when I watch. Um, anyway, so that was the majority of what happened last episode, and then it's set up for Taylor going back home. She's been struggling with everything going on. It was Valentine's Day, and she was struggling with her, you know, um, situation obviously between her best friend and her ex boyfriend and her, you know, Austin, it's just like too much of a, it's not even a triangle. It's some weird square. And she went to her adorable family's house and she got to sit with them. Her great, I love seeing grandparents on the show. I just wonder what do grandparents think about a reality camera? Like, what are they thinking about it? I wish for this reason, I wish I had like footage of my grandparents. I mean, that is stuff that you're never going to forget. Like, now that I don't have any grandparents left, I would just wish more than anything I had like a reality show with my grandparents in it. I don't know. It just seems so sweet. Um, so a very, very sweet family. We see Taylor, and this is last episode, remember, and then they go over to the uh, the guys go to Shep's lake house, which is huge. And Shep is a trust fund baby. Like I think this has been established and it's clear he's talking to his mom. He's like, so we're going up to the house. And I guess the mom went grocery shopping for them before they got there. Shep, after last night's episode, is essentially literally the worst of the worst. Like, I don't know who's worse than Shep in reality TV and the guy. Like, why is Tom Sandoval getting so killed when there's Shep? Shep is maybe the worst. Okay. So that was last episode. And a few things happened, but we're not going to get so into it. So then last night's episode, we pick back up at the cabin. And the first thing that I noticed, it's morning, you know, oh, they're having a conversation. Rod, who's dating Olivia or who wants to really be with Olivia and Austin, who's Olivia's ex, have this one-on-one where Rod is like, I like her. I want to be with her. And Austin's like, uh, okay, but clearly it's weird. Now, the next morning, JT, Mr. Diabetes, Mr., you know, I don't care if I live or die shooting my butt with a syringe through my clothes, is up and at him. He's making breakfast for everyone. He's drinking 46 cups of coffee. And then we see nasty ass Shep. Okay, when I tell you I smelled him through the TV, did anyone else smell him through the I smelled him. I was like, oh, you smell like UC Santa Barbara on a Sunday morning after like a keg party. Shep walks his skinny legs with little boxers and a shirt with his beer belly walking downstairs. And he's like, you know, walking towards the kitchen. He opens the fridge. He takes a freaking milk gallon. Now, if any of you are boy moms, you would know that this is the most, this is the one thing that I knew when I had boys. I was like, this is the one thing I will teach them. Never drink milk out of the freaking carton. This is stuff that you see in like 80s sitcoms. How the hell did this actually occur in real life? I With a camera on you, by all, like shocking. He takes a disgusting big gallon. And then of course we have to hear it, which like my misophonia is like shooting out of my pores. And he's gulping, gulping, and then big ass burp. If that's not bad enough, the next scene later, we see him talking to JT and Rod, coughing his disgusting ass all over their kitchen, not covering that I'm seeing. Cough, 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 cough. He says, I'm not feeling so good. You maybe shouldn't drink the milk. Well, JT goes, I just drank the milk. So you're sick. You're drinking milk out of the carton. You're coughing all over the kitchen. You smell and look that gross. Shep, go away. Like, he's such a man child. He's 
So gross. And by the way, remember I told you that I heard about him at BravoCon. I never saw him personally, but I heard that he was just like this wild and out guy. And Teddy said like, oh, that's just Shep being Shep. But like, is it like, is that good? <laughs> like, how old is Shep? Isn't he 40 something? I don't know. I don't know. You start to wonder about these people. Do you think the reality show did this to Shep or did Shep do this? Would Shep be here? without Southern charm because we're seeing Craig who's like glow up all centuries, right? Craig started as kind of like a little lost puppy, a very cute young lost puppy. And now he's like what dreams are made of, right? Okay. So, so anyway, they continue the episode and then we see Craig laying in bed calling Paige, which by the way, a lot of this episode covers Craig and Paige's relationship when he's fly fishing later. So we start by seeing him on the phone with Paige. It was a cute little conversation. Hey, baby, how are you? She goes, it was my, you know, I thought you said you were going to get me a bag for Valentine's Day. A lot of people would think she sounds like a horrible bitch. And if you listen to her and or you see her on the show, but you don't know Paige from anything else, I think she does come off really bad. But because we know Paige from other shows, from the press, from her Instagram. I listened to Giggly, Giggly Squad, her show, which I think is hilarious. And so because of that, I find her enjoyable, which is weird because she's dating my boyfriend. But I still feel like she isn't. I enjoy Paige. I do. I think she's so cute. And I really think she loves Craig, even though she doesn't really show it. And I think Paige, is, Craig is so massively in love with her. So they're fly fishing and Craig says something along the lines of, you know, I don't know what to do. It's like, I'm 35 years old. I want to be engaged by the end of this year. Well, Donna over here looked at my watch and I said, oh my gosh, it's November 10th. We're coming up on about like, I don't know what, 50 more days until the end of this year. You guys, are we going to see an engagement by the end of the year is my question. Someone said in my Facebook group, Michelle, she said, uh, I think Paige and Craig are really smart. And I think they're going to be a perfect candidate to have a spinoff show basically about both of their jobs, careers in two different cities trying to make it work. I think if they get a spinoff show, it's the kiss of death for their relationship. I just don't know how reality shows help your relationship in any way. Name one. Name one couple that gets a spinoff in any capacity, a show on their own that is doing, you know, fine and dandy. I'm sure there are some out there, but are they really doing good? Or is it just like name one, seriously name one now that I think about it. Brittany and Jax got a spinoff, but we know how that really went. I mean, they're fine now, but. Um. Okay, so Craig is obsessed with Paige. He obviously wants to marry her. She's the one that's like hesitant. We know that whole story. Um, meanwhile, Olivia. Olivia is interesting to me, you guys. I'm trying really hard to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, she clearly is going through a breakup. I'm um, um, sorry, the death of her brother. And she's very, very emotional about that as I would, as anyone would be. But I'm trying to think about who she is prior prior to this death. And I think she was the same. So I'm, I don't think this is related to the emotional struggles she's going to. Olivia, she lacks personality for me. She, she's not my people guys. This is, it's, it's going to sound horrible. I know maybe a lot of you will not like this comment, but I want you to truly think about this. Do you truly believe that Olivia on Southern Charm is dynamic? is interesting, is exciting to watch on TV. I find her the opposite. Madison, on the other hand, adorable, ador adorable, <laughs> adorable. I think Madison is so like dynamic and fun. Vanita has personality. Even Leva has personality. Taylor, eh? Olivia, no, 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 no. And part of it may be like a little bit of a Botox situation, but I personally, excuse me, but I personally do not understand why, um, hold on, why we have a, a situation of like Olivia being the main girl. 
I find her just hard to connect with. I find her hard to connect with and I find her hard to um, really just like root for. But she's nice. So no, she's not done anything wrong. So I guess we're all on Olivia's side. But she's boring to me. It's a little boring personality. And she goes to visit Taylor. Now, this is confusing because she has drama with Taylor, but she decides anyway to take a suitcase to go to Taylor's. Also, Taylor's visiting her family 45 minutes away from the guy's lake house. So convenient. And she goes to visit him. And in that moment, she takes a suitcase. So or she goes to visit her. She brings a suitcase. So clearly her plan was to stay. She sees Taylor's mom. Taylor's mom comes out to her and gives her such a welcome and such a hug that I thought was so um, kind and sweet. Like, where's Taylor's? Kindness, right? We're not really seeing it from Taylor, but Taylor's mom is giving her a hug and wishing her sympathy about her brother. And oh my gosh, I'm so sad. Which, by the way, what the F? Because Taylor's brother, who we meet in these episodes, his name is Worth, has also passed away from what I, I don't believe has been revealed yet. So the mom, this is so crazy to think about, you guys, and so sad. Taylor's mom is going out and giving hugs to Olivia and loving on her, wishing her and praying for her for her, the loss of her brother. Meanwhile, her son is going to be passing away soon. Ah, it was hard to watch. Did anyone else feel um, that? Yeah, Olivia did ask Taylor's mom, are you mad at me? I hope you're not mad at me, which I think the only reason she would say that is because she knows that she's been cold to Taylor and she's hoping that Taylor didn't, you know, talk crap about Olivia to her mom, which I don't think anyone, anyone did like that. But Taylor is just struggling really hard. It's very hard for me to feel like someone feels bad or is apologetic about their actions if they are not giving a true feeling of like, maybe it's Taylor's personality too. She's not genuinely sad or apologetic, is she, to Olivia? When they're sitting outside, they're sitting on this um, dock. They're having a glass of wine. That's literally all they did in this episode. I, I mean, just from what we watched, Olivia had 37 glasses of wine in this one day. Now, I'm not going to judge her because I was just in Vegas and I'm about to go to two steakhouses this weekend. So, you know, trust me when I say the martinis will be flowing. But, ooh. So they're sitting out there, they're over at the um, the dock and Olivia's trying to explain to Taylor that I know that you've told me you just kissed, but I don't believe you. I am sure you guys had sex. And there's this weird silence. And then Taylor's like, we have not hooked up. What do you guys think? My suggestion right now is trust your gut in these moments. Olivia is trusting our gut. She's like, I know Austin and I know you. And especially if alcohol is involved and especially if you spend so much time together and there's been sleepovers, et cetera. And, and what Olivia isn't saying and what she wants to say probably is I've seen Vanderpump rules. I know how this shit goes. Starts in the hot tub, ends in the bedroom. I'm convinced that Taylor and Austin have stopped a few times, if not just one. And I think Austin still has feelings for Taylor, in my opinion. And maybe Taylor still has feelings for Austin. I don't know. So... They end up having this conversation that does not go well. It's awkward AF. Taylor is not showing Olivia true sympathy, I don't believe. And I think that that's probably part of the reason. And then Taylor, Olivia decides, okay, I'm leaving. So now she picks up her suitcase. She calls the guys. She calls Shep. Shep says, come and join us. They are wine tasting. They're at this really cool winery where you have like these little tiny flights and this cool vase looking situation. I don't even know. They go over to... um. They, they sit there, they're having conversation. And during this conversation, um, you know, Olivia comes and she joins again, lacking personality. Hey guys, how are you? Hi. Oh, wow. Hey, they sit down, have some drinks, decide to go back to Shep's house because they have a chef at Shep's house. Now at this house, um, you know, they're getting ready for the night. They're all starting to, you know, have some cocktails and who walks in? I Did I miss a scene? When was Taylor invited? I don't remember Taylor being invited, but maybe I missed it. That's how boring this episode is um, or this season is. But Taylor gets invited somehow to the house. She comes in and she decides, hey, guys, wait, Taylor, go away. 
Like, seriously, go away. I don't get how Taylor doesn't recognize, hey, maybe I shouldn't, unless obviously production's like, no, 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 you have to come. We need the drama because this is a boring as fuck episode. But I feel like Taylor is stepping her her foot into her, like she's stepping in her, her, the shit that she created. It's like, you've caused this drama. You've created all this drama. Olivia wanted to get away from you. She went to these guys' house. Now you're going to go and you're going to trigger her and annoy her and like, you know, eh, 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 like uh, pour salt in the wounds. Go away. She's so annoying to me. She's beautiful. She's so annoying. So she ends up coming to the house. Olivia's like, oh God. They sit down. They have this amazing dinner, right? And at the dinner, all of a sudden, Taylor's sitting next to Shep, her ex-boyfriend, and then Austin's there. They decide to give Taylor a gift. Olivia's like, what world am I living in? Craig knows that this is a nightmare. Craig and Olivia have a cute little dynamic. I like the two of them. Well, Craig has a cute dynamic with really honestly anyone with a pillow. Craig really can't. Oh, Shep invited Taylor. Okay, I missed that. So I have no idea. Uh you know, why any of these people thought this was a good idea. But the drinking continues because Craig has decided, and Craig, by the way, Craig, Craig has decided that he is going to be a conspiracy theorist and, you know, probably believes, I'm not going to say it. Oh, I want to say it so badly. And a lot of you guys would understand, you insiders. But uh, Craig decides that he is going to speak to the aliens with a foil hat. And when I tell you, this is the reason why Paige doesn't want to marry him. I've decided. I figured it out. Paige would happily be with Craig and marry him because he's an entrepreneur. He's successful. He's hot AF. He's a Bravo celebrity. The girls are obsessed with him. I think, you know, he treats her well. The only thing that's stopping Paige from marrying Craig, in my opinion, are his wackadoodle beliefs on aliens, pandas, and, you know, add it to the list, right? Now, I find it endearing, but Craig decides, let's put all of our, um, you know, let's put foil on all of our hats and talk to the aliens, although he doesn't call them aliens because he says aliens is too derogatory. We're going to call them space people. I died. Craig is so goddamn cute. Anyway, so they have this conversation. They're talking about the pyramids. Craig Craig is like having a historical conversation here. All the other people just want to think about how can we have drama and hook up with each other's exes. And Craig is like, no, let's talk pyramids. <laughs> He's just so fun. So, um, so at some point the pyramid talk got boring and Olivia and Rod kind of pair off. They go inside. They're having a conversation where Rod decides this is the moment I want to tell Olivia I want her to be my girlfriend. Like he mentions the bra gate to her. She says it's no big deal. And then he says, I want to take this seriously. I want us to be a couple. And in this moment, Olivia straight up says, yeah, no. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but she's like, I'm seeing other people and I kind of want to still see other people, meaning she's just not that into you, Rod. Now, Rod is a sweet guy and bless his heart, but like, I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. I don't get the chemistry. I do not think he's that hot. He's not my type. Um, I'm sure some of, you, some of you guys think he is though, but to me, you got boring Rod and boring Olivia and together we've got two flat, you know, boards. It's like, okay. Olivia needs someone with more, oh, well, or he needs someone with more. Boring. During this conversation, uh, Shep is playing ping pong with the guys, and he is super competitive. We know this from previous episodes, and he loses. Now, Shep has been drinking for 47 hours, as they all have. So Shep comes outside, and they were talking about the fact that Shep lost. And Taylor, being the typical Taylor that she is, which is like no alliances whatsoever and just decides to screw over anyone, decides to kind of cheer on Craig and Austin, the ones that won against Shep. Now, Shep is drunk and he is not taking this lightly. Shep has decided in this moment, I am not okay with you, Taylor. You are basically you know, cheering for the enemy and what the hell, why are you being this way? Now, Taylor says, wow, Shep, you're being really possessive and controlling, which I didn't feel that at all whatsoever in that moment. I get Shep was wasted and 
you know, way too sensitive. But Taylor decided to throw that out there just because she likes, I'm I'm convinced Taylor is like the silent killer, right? She's silent. She's sweet. She's like pretty, but she's, she stokes the fire. She pokes the bear. She's like, put him, uh, put him, she's like, you know, come at me, bro. So she says these things that she knows will trigger Shep. And Shep says, um, I can't remember what Shep specifically said to Taylor. Does that make you feel good? Something like that. And Taylor goes, does that make you feel good when you cheated on me? And Shep, because this is how a lot of people fight when they're mad and when they're drunk is instead of like taking it and just kind of holding in, they decide, no, I'm going to hit it where, you know, where it's going to hurt. I'm going to cut low. I'm going to cut below the belt. And he said, yeah, actually, it was kind of fun to cheat on you. <laughs> the way I've never seen Taylor so activated. This was a Lindsay Hubbard moment. You guys, Taylor jumps up. Ah, fuck you. Go to hell. Whatever. She throws wine into Shep's face. She goes inside. She's ripping off her microphone. Get it off of me. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Olivia, being the nice girl that she is, is now comforting Taylor. And everything kind of like, you know, goes to shit. Shep and Austin have a conversation. Oh, yeah. Shep and Austin, meanwhile, have been fighting outside about this. Shep is like, Austin, you just want what I have. Hot mess express. They go inside. It's kind of like everyone just falls apart and goes to bed. Until the next morning when Olivia comes downstairs and she notices that Taylor is in Shep's room. What? What? No, they're they're wearing all their clothes, so I'm assuming that they didn't, you know, but I think that they did make out. And Taylor is such a self-sabotager. Taylor is the epitome of the girl that needs attention from wherever she goes. And this is like all, she'll do anything she can just to get attention. She needs the attention. And I don't believe that Taylor is like confident enough in herself in this moment whatsoever. Like she needed Shep to hook up with her. That was what it was. She did. So anyway, that's kind of where the episode, you know, ends. It's really it. What do you guys think? It's good. It's fine. I'll watch it. I'm not dying for it. It's not must-see TV. Now, you know what must-see TV is? Golden Bachelor. Are you guys ready to get your AI glasses on and let's talk Gary? Golden Bachelor. When I tell you, start a Golden Bachelor con and I'm going to go. Wait, by the way, why haven't ABC, why hasn't ABC decided to do a Bachelor con? Like how many people, I wouldn't, because I'm not a big Bachelor person, but how many people would go to a Bachelor event? Think about how many celebs they have, like uh, Bachelor lebs. What are they called? Bachelor Universe? They really should think about it after seeing the success of BravoCon with all the former Bachelors, Bachelorettes, all of them, Bachelor in Paradises, Goldens. So this is the Women Tell All episode, which I normally skip. In every episode of Bachelor, every season of Bachelor I've ever watched in all the years, I always skip. But this, is cream of the crop. This is the stuff that I come for. This is the show that I love because you know what? I feel like I'm hanging out with my friends. Now, I don't know about you guys. When I go to the gym, just say, there's a lot of people of a lot of different ages at my gyms. I always connect with older women. I just do. I love them. I love a woman that has a little bit more maturity than me, has more years on me. I connect with the older women when I go on vacation. Like I used to go on vacation with my ex-boyfriend. We would go to Mexico. I'll, I'll never forget this. And every single time we would sit at the bar, we would always connect and start chatting it up with an older couple. Actually, this still happens to Lance and I. I don't want to talk to the 20-year-olds or the 25-year-olds. I want to talk to the 58-year-olds, the 70s. Like those are the ones that are entertaining. If you're fun and you're down to have a good time and you're of that age, you are cream of the crop. And this is what this group is. So women tell all. Now they didn't bring it back all the women. Did you notice that? They brought back probably, I would say, 16 of them. I can't think exactly. And the standouts, of course, are the Chris Jenner lookalike, which is Susan, my fave. The Caitlyn Jenner lookalike, which is Kathy. Don't at me. You guys said it too. Okay. 
Um, then we had Edith and her guacamole. We'll get into that. We had Sandra with her Zen and the F word. We had pickleball player, um, Ellen. <laughs> Their names escape me left and right. This is one thing that I can't get straight. I can't get straight any of the names. I try, but you know, I can't. We had a Nancy. We had, I mean, we had all the good ones back, right? So, um, <laughs> sorry guys. So the women tell all come and they come and they get uh, interviewed or sorry, they get announced and they're so funny because they all have like a thing. So for example, you know, they would say, uh, you know, about one of the, they would introduce Edith and she'd be like, hi. And then they would introduce the one, and I can't remember her name, but she's the the one that takes everything too far. She's the one that faked her injury on the pickleball court. And she stood up and she's like, you, you, <laughs> she's so big. And then of course they, they introduce uh, Kathy, zip it, clip it, snap it, bend it. Remember her, Kathy? And she goes like this. And if you guys are watching the YouTube, you know that she's doing some sort of lip zip motion. Man, oh man, the way that I love her, love her. So, um, I mean, not love her in real life. Like I actually wouldn't want to hang out with Kathy. She scares the shit out of me, but she's good TV. So they start introducing them and I, they start by showing some packages of here's where we were and they start to ask some questions. But then the episode became, and when I tell you honestly, you guys, the episode became an like 20 or 30 minutes long about digestive issues. I've never seen anything like it. These women have really put it all out on the table. The way we talked about Susan's gas, Susan is Kris Jenner. The way we talked about her gas, it was a whole package. It was a whole like three minute long package talking about how Susan cannot stop farting. Now, I thought to myself, I said, in normal circumstances, I would be like, this is so disgusting. Why are we watching this? I found it so endearing and so light given the like heaviness of the world right now. I'm like, this is what we should be watching. We should be watching like what gave Susan gas? Was it Edith's guacamole or was it her Italian meatballs? It was so freaking funny. So Susan is farting left and right. And that is the big, you know, conversation between her. Then, of course, we talked to Kathy about the zip it, clap it, zip it, clip it, you know, bend it, snap it. And she was like, I was intense. Obviously, you know, I want the best for these people. I love Teresa. I don't think she actually said I love Teresa. I actually think she really hated Teresa. But she's like, I really want this to, you know, want someone to be happy. And I really want the best for these women. What I love the most, essentially, about these women is I truly don't believe there was major drama with any of them. I really do believe they all wanted the best for each other. I do. I believe they actually had the best, you know, intentions for each other. They wanted them to succeed. And what the best thing we noticed about all of them was that they really wanted, now they got like a little taste. They got a taste of love. They got a taste of maybe romance and makeouts and sex. And so now they're like, let's do this thing. I'm ready to go. Maybe a lot of them were in droughts of dating. So then Joan, of course, comes up. Now, Joan was the one that needed to go to um, go home to her daughter. And remember, we had talked about this. I said to myself, because all she said on the show was my mom, my daughter needs me and mom needs to be home with my daughter. She just had a baby and she needs me. And I thought to myself, and you guys, I appreciate you dosers because you warned me about this. But I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of shitty of the daughter because your mom gets this experience of a lifetime where she could find the love of her life and you're saying, no, I need you home with me. But a lot of you said, oh, maybe, maybe it was a um, postpartum depression situation. And then I said, oh, if that's the case, yeah, that's the most important thing. And the truth is it was. And Joan was able to talk about this. So Joan left the show way early because her daughter was seriously struggling and Joan was a mom first, which by the way, as a parent myself, you're only as happy as your most unhappy child. There is no way that I would ever be able to pick a reality show over being with a depressed child ever. So she did the right thing and Joan is a winner in my book, but I actually think Joan and Gary could have had something real. And Joan was bummed. She was like, I feel like I missed out on potentially a real thing, but I know that they were, you know, that he has found love. Now, then they bring out, please tell me, is it Ellen, the, um, the pickleball 
player. Just remind me if that's her name. So she comes out and she has a one-on-one with Jesse and she starts talking about her friend, Roberta. When I tell you the way I cried, did you guys cry during this? So Roberta was mentioned many times throughout the episode because Roberta was her, um, Roberta was her best friend who had told her to apply for The Bachelor, The Golden Bachelor. And when she got it, she found out that she had cancer. She had stage four cancer, something along those lines. I can't remember exactly at what stage it was. And she told her, go on the show regardless. Go on the show because this is how I want you there. Like, I want you to be there and I will watch it with you. We'll watch the first episode. Do it for me. So she goes on the show. And then, of course, she gets eliminated in this last, was it last week? She No. Yeah, last week. Whatever. The last episode, she gets eliminated. She goes home. And obviously, they, they are airing this delayed. This probably was filmed three months ago, four months ago. I can't remember exactly. And they're sitting there. And she says, Roberta wanted to watch the first episode with me. But when I came home from filming, she was in a semi- coma state. And she had a, um, you know, she was really not capable of watching the show, but she was waiting for me. She was waiting to watch that first episode. And she said, I told her it's okay. You can go. We'll watch the show. I could cry. We'll watch the show together from different places. Jesse's crying. I'm crying. My son Oliver had just come in from um, to say goodnight to me, and he's watching the scene, and he's like, "Mom, this is so sad." Then we see them; they keep cutting to an, a younger woman in the audience, and we find out that that's Roberta's daughter. They flew her in; they flew her in to give her a big hug, and they had the sweetest, sweetest conversation. I absolutely adored this scene. I thought it was so lovely, so heartwarming. And we don't see this with the younger bachelors. We see this only with the older because they have such stories. They're so wonderful. Now, another thing like, um, okay, so then, of course, we go to commercial break and then they had a whole blooper reel. Oh, no, they had Gary come out and he was like, I miss you. Oh, ladies, I miss you every day. Every single day, I'm able to think about you with a good moment, with something on my heart. I miss you. Oh, hi. And then you just see the women like, hi, hi. Kathy is the best. If I... If I could just say, Kathy is literally the best part of any of these. Like, just watch her in the background always. <laughs> she's waving. She's she's nodding. She's so animated in this moment. And she is seriously so, like, they're so obsessed with Gary. Now, do you guys really think Gary is all that in a bag of chips? I mean, he's a nice guy, really sweet guy, and clearly very kind, a good dad, was a great husband. But, like, I don't know. I'm not really feeling that like sexual attraction to Gary, but Gary is meanwhile, he is like, you know, lady, ladies, oh, wow, the way I've missed you over the year, the memories we've had every single one of you. So then they go to the blooper reel, which again is just a freaking three minutes of them farting and burping. I am not joking. (laughs) This blooper reel, the best moment of the blooper reel is Sandra, who during her interview is sitting there and all of a sudden she goes, excuse me. And she moves her body, which is, you know, that's the, that's the, the move of the body is the, um, it's the universal language for I'm about to fart, I guess. So she goes like this. It, it goes on so long that Oliver, my eight-year-old, who should know a fart or two, looked at me and he goes, that's fake. And I'm like, I don't think it is because her body's like. And then she goes, go on. <laughs> it was the best thing I've ever seen. All the other women are burping. There's women that are falling. Kathy, I guess, is falling left and right. I mean, it was a great blooper reel. Gary's like, <laughs> I mean, Gary was watching like 
old school. Like he was watching slapstick comedy. <laughs> Dying of laughter. These women, they were just living their best lives. I loved this episode. But then we had to kind of turn the corner and go to a little bit of a sad, incredibly uncomfortable segment with Faith. Now, Faith, we, okay, so what basically they do is they show that final rose ceremony. And what it is, is three women left and he's given his rose to Leslie. And now it's between Teresa and Faith. And we ended last week's episode without knowing which one he chose because he was like, ah, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So he gives his rose finally after, you know, struggling and crying and sweating and, and bending. And he gives his rose to Teresa, which I'm just not happy about. She seems nice, but she just doesn't seem, you know who she is? She's just like, um, like a golden retriever. I love a golden retriever. Just really nice. Right? That's what she is. She's just nice. She has a very cute family though. Her, her grandkids were adorable. So all the, the grandkids, like all the families were so cute. I loved, um, I loved Leslie's family too. So, uh, he gives the rose to Teresa now. Faith and him have this like tearful goodbye outside. And as we're watching Faith cry in the in the limo, talking about it and like going through it, we see that Faith is now live watching this episode on the couch next to Jesse. So this gets real weird. Now all of a sudden we're sitting there with, with Faith who has to watch herself and her heartbreak live with everyone else and then see Jesse and she's talking to him and she cannot stop crying. I mean, I think that she is still so hurt by this. I think she is still so madly in love with Gary. And Gary comes out while she's crying. And then Gary starts to hysterically cry. Did you guys notice? Gary is now bawling. Bawling. <gasps> like, I don't, I'm not even saying it to make fun of them. I'm saying it because it was legitimately the saddest thing I've ever seen. The two of them just like hysterically crying, but it was over the top. It was too much. It was too much. And she's like, I just, and he's like, I can't. Like it was great. We think that the young ones are dramatic, that they cry so hard after getting eliminated. Like, no, these women, I mean, you know, they say that you like envision your future. I think these women really did like envision their, you know, like to the end of time with these people. So she was very, very devastated over this. And I think a lot of the reason she was sad was because of her sons. She kept saying, I just don't want them to be worried about me. I'm just sad for them. And when Gary said, I broke a promise. I broke a promise to your sons. I said I would protect your heart and I couldn't. She was like, it's okay. It's okay. And then she kept touching him. Did you notice that with her her boobs were out there. She kept touching him. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. It's just so hard not to touch you. Faith is madly in love still. So after that, Faith gets whisked away. And then they decide to show the trailer for next week's episode, which Jesse calls the most emotional moments you've ever seen. And in that moment, you know, we see him go back and forth about who he's going to choose and a lot of crying. And they're in Costa Rica and this and that. And all I can say is I am team Leslie through and through. I love Leslie's family. They seem rad. I loved Leslie's older brother, Stuart, who was like the, the original mensch, which you know what? As a Jew, and I'm convinced she's Jewish, I'm convinced that her family is Jewish, right? Because she said mensch multiple times. Is Gary Jewish is my question. We have not learned a thing about Gary's background, but she calls him a mensch on a bench. <laughs> Leslie to me is hot. She's got a body like no other. And he said, I love you. And when they were in the family, like at the hometown date, and she's against the wall like this, and he's against the wall holding his hands over her head. And I'm like, they are going to have some good times in the bedroom. And to me, I think Teresa is like, hi. We've all met Teresa's. We all know Teresa, right? You don't want to marry a Teresa. I mean, she's so sweet. Don't get me wrong. But like compared to Leslie, who I think has a real personality, I am into the personality. I'd rather, in terms of dating, I'd rather good personality than a good looking. Like what's more important to me? I, of course, have to be attracted. But if you don't have a personality, you're out. 
Audi 500, right? Anyway, it was such a wonderful episode. Golden Bachelor is like must see TV and we're going to watch it next week and we're going to, you know, have some feelings. We're going to have some feelings if Leslie gets eliminated and Teresa sticks. But um, I think personally, oh my gosh, how cute. I just got a text from Amy Phillips. Um, I uh, I think personally, oh, ne- Golden Bachelorette. So of course they have to do Golden Bachelorette. I have not gotten word of anything, but I will let you guys know the second I do because Golden Bachelor has done phenomenal in the ratings. So if they're going to do Golden Bachelorette, I want you guys to tell me in the comments who you think should get it. Now remember, she has to be like emotionally stable. She can't be one of those kooks. They have to be, it has to be someone that they've focused on heavily in the season. So it can't be, you know, like Matt James' mom who was there just because she's Matt James' mom, but she doesn't say a word, that Debbie woman. I think personally it's going to be Joan. Joan, in my mind, is who it's going to be as the next Bachelorette. She's the one that went home for her daughter. There's just a feeling she's young, she's vivacious, she's beautiful. She's She didn't like fall in love with Gary and get her heart broken. I feel like this is this is who it should be. It cannot be Faith. I really don't want it to be Faith. I really think either Ellen or Joan. Yes, Ellen and Joan. So Ellen is the um, the pickleball player and Joan is the other. Now, Steph says Joan is perfect for Gary, but can she carry a show? Do we think Gary's carrying a show? No, I think the women are carrying the show. Gary is boring as rocks. I mean, love him, but he's so boring. He's the AI Gary, right? Hello, I am here to be the man. And when he's he's sitting with Teresa in the hometown date and he's like, I knew it when you put your arm on my shoulder. Man, oh man, did that feel special. So damn cute. Beyond. Um, Love the Golden Bachelorette. You guys make sure to get your own Bloomy. And a bunch of you guys came in late. So I just want to remind you, $70 off. If you use the code, I'll put it in my show notes at the end of this. It's uh, bloomine.com slash daily dose at Daily Dose Donna, D-A-N-A. And you don't have to put in a code or anything. I hope you have a phenomenal weekend. Thank you so much for your ratings and reviews. Means the world. I'm seeing them all come in. Let's go enjoy ourselves. I'm going to an old school steakhouse tonight and a very, very brand new invite only friends and family steakhouse down the street from my house tomorrow. I will let you guys all know about it. So when next time you're in LA, you'll know where to go eat. And that's it. I'll see you guys on Monday. Have an amazing weekend. Bye. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.